grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, a quick trivia question for you. What do all of these companies have in common? Burger King, Wheaties, Pepsi, Taco Bell, NBA 2K video games, Mr. Big Candy Bar, Icy Hot, Nintendo, and Oreos. Very good. Shaquille O'Neal was their spokesperson at some point. Very good. <laughs> Although Shaq retired from basketball in 2011, he still earns $60 million a year for his endorsement deals. In 2019, one of his uh, NBA colleagues, Charles Barkley, was on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And he told Stephen that he thinks Shaq has no shame when it comes to what he endorses. Barkley even joked, every time I look at the TV, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to do a commercial for tampons any day. <laughs> Just a matter of time. Well, of course, Shaq doesn't need the money, right? Based on one report, his net worth is already $400 million. Even so, these companies still think that people will buy their products if his face is on. But honestly, I don't think we're that shallow just to buy something because Shaq or any other celebrity says that we should. For example, Inman Intelligence, a company that studies the relationships between businesses and consumers, released a study in February 2020 called, Are Celebrity Endorsements Worth the Money? After surveying 1,500 adults, they discovered that only 3% of consumers are likely to buy a product if it's endorsed by a celebrity. 3%. But 34% of consumers are likely to buy a product if it's recommended to them by a friend or peer. But you know that already, right? When was the last time you bought a product just because some celebrity said you should? On the other hand, when was the last time you bought a product because somebody you personally know said they had a good experience with it? Even though companies like to use celebrity endorsements, they also know that actual recommendations by people you know is still a much better way to get you to buy their product. This is why companies rely so, much, so heavily on consumer reviews and five-star ratings. I think about it. How many times do you read a product review before you buy the thing? Well, of course, those can be rigged too because companies can pay people to give five-star reviews. But in the end, it, the power is not with the face on the product. Instead, the power is in personal relationships and word of mouth. Today's gospel reading shows this playing out too. 
when it begins, we hear about John the Baptist. But in the Gospel of John, he's not really John the Baptist at all. Right? Although he admits that he does baptize people, there's no actual baptism scene here. Like what we heard last week from the Gospel of Matthew. Instead, in the Gospel of John, the character of John is more like John the witness. Right? He points out Jesus to others, which he does here in this scene. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he said. And maybe he added, I give him a five-star rating. Why would John say this about Jesus? Was he getting paid for his endorsement? Was somebody going to pay attention to Jesus just because John was some famous celebrity? No, of course not. John was pointing out Jesus because he had a good experience with him. And he even describes that experience. He said, I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So basically, the Father pointed out Jesus to John, and now John points out Jesus to others. It's word of mouth. And the next day, John says it again. Look, here is the Lamb of God. And that's the thing with word of mouth. You don't just say it once and then stop. You keep saying it over and over again. And then we see the effect that it has on relationships. Right After John says it again, two of his own disciples leave and start to follow Jesus. Then they say something really curious. When they catch up to Jesus, they ask him, Rabbi, where are you staying? Now that can sound a bit strange to us in English, but it makes more sense in the Greek. They're really asking, where are you abiding? Now that abiding is a favorite word of this gospel writer. In the prologue, we heard that the word became flesh and abided among us. Or even in John's line earlier, when he talked about the spirit descending and remaining on someone, that word for remain is actually abide. So so these two disciples, they're not asking for Jesus' address. They're asking, where can we find you in the world? So Jesus replies, come and see. And sometimes that's our question, too. Right? Someone tells us about Jesus, and then we look around at our world and we wonder, where is he in all this mess? But the thing is, many times we look for him... And we completely ignore where he promises to be. He promises to be with us in word and sacrament. 
We can count on that. We don't have to go looking for Jesus. He's already found us. He promises to be with us in the word, in the meal, at the font. I mean, we just wrapped up a season of the church here that was all about Emmanuel. God with us. Right? He's here, my friends. So when Jesus says to these disciples, come and see. I imagine they follow with some excitement. They see Jesus, and now they're not going to let him out of their sight. And this is why they want others to follow him, too. In the next scene, one of these disciples, Andrew, finds his brother Peter and says to him, We have found the Messiah. And in the scene immediately after our reading, Philip tells Nathaniel to come and see, too. That's the power of word of mouth. These guys have a wonderful experience with Jesus, and they want the people they know to experience him too. But, let me be clear about this. This is not marketing. Although marketing often uses word of mouth, The main point of marketing is to get somebody to trade their money for a product. Salespeople will do whatever they can to make the sale. But here, nobody is trying to sell anything. That's because this is evangelism. And yes, I know sometimes people think evangelism is just fancy church talk for marketing Jesus. And that's why a lot of us are reluctant to do it. But that's not what it is at all. Right? The church is not some company that tries to sell Jesus to others. We are not some corporation with stocks and profits and celebrity spokespeople in TV commercials. As Christians, you do not have to be salespeople. You do not have to meet a certain quota or win souls for Christ. Please understand that. Instead, as Christians, we are people whose lives have been changed by Jesus And we simply want others to be changed by him, too. And no, that's not just churchy language. That's not just semantics. That's a big difference. It's basically the difference between the pushy used car salesman and the grandparent bragging about their grandkids. Think about it. You have this relationship, and you want other people to know about it. But why? Why do we tell others about the people we love? Well, because we love them. We have a good relationship with them. They matter to us. That's why we do it. We're not trying to sell a product. We just 
love the person and can't help but talk about them. Consider it this way. I bet that there was somebody in your life who really loved Jesus and who knew that Jesus really loved them too. And that person told you about Jesus. I mean, you're here today. Or you're joining us online today. And that alone is enough evidence to tell me that somebody has told you about Jesus. You wouldn't be here if that person hadn't shared Jesus with you. And I imagine that person did not have all the answers in the life of faith. Even if they studied the Bible and had extensive training, they still had their own questions and their own struggles and their own fears. But they loved Jesus and they basically told you to come and see. And you did. They were like a John to your Andrew. And now, because they pointed out Jesus to you, you can be an Andrew to someone else's Peter. And once again, you don't have to have all the answers either. Andrew didn't have all the answers when he told Peter about Jesus. All he did was invite him to come along so that they could follow Jesus together. Of course, sometimes the people you invite will say no. And maybe you know that experience already. Maybe you've tried to teach somebody about Jesus, but it doesn't seem like it's made any difference in their lives. No matter how many times you say, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, they continue to ignore you. No matter how hard you try, it seems like Jesus just doesn't matter to them. And that can be really frustrating. It can make you feel like you've done something wrong or you didn't do enough. You can beat yourself up about it. But hear me when I say this. You didn't do anything wrong. In fact, you did something right. You told them about Jesus. You still tell them about Jesus. Over and over again, you tell them about Jesus. You just can't control the choices of others. All you can do is issue the invitation to come and see over and over again. Like John the Witness did for his disciples. But then, of course... There are times that you invite someone to come and see, and they do listen. And Jesus does matter to them. 
just like how you listen to your mentor. This is how Jesus is at work in the world, my friends. He's at work in you, and he's at work through you. Just like he was at work in the generations before you. Word of mouth and personal relationships are powerful things. Because the good news of Jesus changes lives. And sometimes all it takes is a simple invitation. Come and see. And you don't need to be a celebrity to say that. So in the name of this one, we follow and proclaim Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.